Hey everybody, it's your GM Thomas here. I just wanted to take a second to provide a content warning for this episode. This issue does touch on a little bit of the death of a child, as well as some animal abuse. So if you're not interested in hearing about those things, feel free to skip this episode. We want everyone to feel comfortable listening to our episodes, and sometimes we touch on some dark topics, so we understand. This is a special issue of Paradigm Academy, Spotlight Livewire. On the cover, a stylized version of the Paradigm Academy crest is wreathed in yellow lightning bolts with chains wrapped around it. Livewire and Sparky are shown in stance as if they are preparing to leap into action. The tagline reads, You may find this tale of how a boy met his dog to be shocking. see a close-up of a newspaper article young hero killed in tragic fire and then we see in the corner an editor's note four years ago why don't you describe for us what michael's dad looks like michael's dad is pretty like standard superhero comic type of dad back then four years ago he probably had a little bit more hair than he does in our sort of current time. He's blonde like Michael, sort of uh, short, close-cropped hair, five o'clock shadow, probably bags under his eyes, kind of a stocky build. He's not like like a big type of dude, basically. So we see Michael's father enter into the room, and we realize that we are inside the kitchen of the Rook home. You see him reach down with a with a large meaty hand and he picks up the newspaper and looks at it and crumples it and throws it in a ball against the wall. And we hear shouting from that room as we cut to a panel of young younger Michael in his bedroom. There's like nondescript like squiggle italic bubbles of just that that are supposed to emulate shouting and, and anger. What is Michael doing in his bedroom at this time? I imagine he's not super good at, like, dealing with his emotions. At this point, he's 11 years old. He's probably got his face buried in some sort of video game. Whatever handheld system he has, he's not really paying attention to it a whole lot. Like, he's got, like, this glazed-over look in his eyes. But he's just trying to basically not pay attention to his surroundings right now. So uh, so we cut to a panel of an older Michael now. We see Michael in his, fa- in his family's like home garage. Explain for us the process of how he created his battery pack. It's pretty simple. He took, like, his dad, I imagine, is, he's got, like, one of those big, like, hiking or, like, a military-type backpack that was just sort of sitting unused off in the corner collecting dust. Michael just kind of picked it up, grabbed a car battery that had been discarded, and basically, like, the way that the panel's set up, it's not really showing exactly, like, how it's attached in there, because honestly, I don't know how he would have gone about doing that, but... 
like it's shot over his shoulders so you can't really see how he's attaching it. But he puts the battery into the backpack, takes a pair of scissors and cuts out a couple of holes in it, threads the chains in through the holes that he cut, sort of attaches those carefully to the, I guess, like the poles on the battery. At this point, he doesn't quite have the process as polished as he does a little bit later. Like, by the time our main issues pick up, he's able to, like, feed and retract the lines a little bit. Uh, right now, it's just, like, when he's not holding onto the chains, they just kind of drape loose out of the backpack. Okay, so here's here's what I'm the to make things a little bit more interesting. Since you guys aren't your fully realized heroic selves yet, the way we're going to resolve certain things in these in these spotlight stories is you're going to just roll a flat two d six, no modifiers. The same same aspects apply on a six. On a six, you fail. Something bad is going to happen. On a seven to nine, there's a mixed success, and on a ten plus, you do it real good. I'm starting off with a four. So uh, we get we get a panel of you working in your garage, setting up this backpack, and you begin connecting the this chain to the to the battery. And obviously, the chain is able to con- conduct electricity. Otherwise, there's no point in using it as a as a means of creating a weapon. So what you what you don't realize is you accidentally create a circuit between the two poles of the battery uh, with the with the chain without grounding it. And you you electrocute yourself pretty dang bad. And we get a pan- we get a panel of you like falling like being thrown back against the wall of the garage. And your mom comes out. Why don't you describe for us what your mom looks like? Michael's mom is like the rest of the family. She's blonde. She's got not really long hair, but it's like medium length for a woman. She's not like the. She's like by this point, I think like his mom's a little bit on the bigger side too. He's. Like, she's still, like, his whole family tends towards the sort of larger end of the scale. Still very pretty, though. Yeah, she's not, like, the uh, dress and heels type of lady. She's very, like, comfortably dressed, uh, just like an average mom, basically, I guess would be the best way to describe her. All right, so yeah, she kind she comes out. She's kind of wearing your standard, like, mom jeans and a, and a shirt and, and sneakers. She says, honey, are you all right? Michael, like, picks himself up off the ground and dusts his shirt off. He's like, yeah, Mom, I'm good. I uh, just had an accident. He, like, looks between the backpack, which I imagine has, like, some mildly cartoonish smoke coming out of it, and then, like, into the wall he was flung against and just has, like, this sheepish, not really a grin, but, like, a sheepish smirk on his face, like, (laughs) Yeah, and I think I think that your your hair is all sorts of standing up, and there's probably like a small arc of electricity that runs between some hairs uh, and, and a couple of panels. And uh, then we cut to a scene of Michael walking down the street with this with this backpack getup that he's got going on, and we hear we see some onomatopoeia of dog barks in the distance. And uh, and uh, like off off panel bubbles of like yeah kill him get him you can do it bruiser yeah I think when Michael hears that he uh, his ears perk up a little bit and he like looks around pulls a pair of goggles out of his backpack 
uh, that he keeps in like the side pocket and just like he slides those on. And he's like, somebody needs help and just takes off running towards the direction of the sound. You run toward the sound and you reach what what appears to be a locked a locked gate between you and whatever is going on behind it. Uh, it's, it's in somebody's backyard in the neighborhood. As I look around, does there be anything I can, like, climb up on to get a better view or, like, something I can use to get a better vantage point? Why don't you roll me 2d6? That's an 8. You're able to find uh, what looks like a pair of rusted old bolt cutters that might be able to, to cut the lock on this gate. Michael, not really thinking things through very well, uh, just takes them and cuts the bolts, or cuts the lock, flings the gate open, and just, like, not really charging into the backyard, but, like, poking his head in to look around and see what's going on. Well, as you as you swing the gate open, that's going to be the mixed success because uh, you uh, you hear a loud blaring alarm that begins going off. There's several several shouts of men from the other side and the loud barking of dogs as you as you kind of peek around and there you see you see several men with guns drawn and there are a bunch of dogs in cages and what appears to be a a fighting pit that has been set up. Okay, I think as the sirens going off and Michael sees the guys with the guns, he just goes. Oh, beans. Uh, is there anything nearby I could duck behind to sort of not be noticed? Because if not, then Michael's just going to, like, charge in towards the men with the guns. Uh, you see a couple of a couple of coolers and like a, and like a TV that's set up uh, that you might be able to kind of squeeze behind and not be noticed if you move quick. Why don't you go ahead and roll me 2d6? That's a two. You charge out from your hiding place and rush for this and rush for this other position uh, to kind of advance on these guys. And you do it with a little bit too much momentum and you knock the TV that's sitting that's sitting there over. And with a loud crash, uh, all of a sudden, every there's about there's about six men with guns pointed at you as you kind of sheepishly sheepishly look out from behind the coolers and whatnot that you dove behind. One of the men says, what are you doing here, kid? Get out of here. As he's told to get out, Michael looks at him and like his hands reach back a little bit to grip the chains that hang off to the side or off to his sides. And he says, you you guys are hurting those dogs. You let them go. What have they done? What do you care, kid? This is how we this is how we make money. They're just they're just fucking dogs. Okay, first off. You need to watch your language. And second off, they're not just dogs. They deserve to be happy and taken care of and not fighting for you to make money. And Michael is going to charge towards that guy. Uh, he's going to try to, like, use one of his chains to bat the gun out of his hand. Okay, go ahead and roll me 2d6. That's a 10. Nice. Okay, tell, tell me what happens. Obviously, this chain has electricity coursing through it. Uh, guns are metal as well. So if I may, I think, like, as the chain smacks the gun out of the guy's hand, it sends, like, 
maybe not a lot of electricity, but like sort of a shock up through his arms. Uh, Michael doesn't really have a plan, so he's just sort of like charged headlong into the situation trying to, I guess, he wants to get past these guys, and his end goal would be to get to the dog cages and let the dogs out. Okay, so you, uh, so yeah, you rush forward, you lat, we, we see, um, just a single, uh, just a panel of the, the chain lashing out and whipping around the gun as electricity travels up this guy's arm and he, he, he's able to get out, kill that kid! As, uh, everyone starts firing on you, um, bullets are just flying everywhere, but you are seemingly, with the help of plot armor, able to dodge out of the way of these bullets. As Michael is dodging, he's, uh, like, zigzagging back and forth, and we get a close-up panel of him, like, breathing heavy as he's going and just going, zigzag, 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 zigzag. The guy that you originally lashed out at, he f- he falls to the ground, like, clutching his hand. We can see that there's, like, several, there's several, like, scorch marks traveling up his arm from the uh, completed circuit of the... The, the electrical chains and uh you are able to make it to the dog cages without being harmed as you kind of die, dive behind cover uh the the gunfire stops and another guy says all right come on out kid we're not gonna hurt you just come, just come out and we'll talk about this we don't have we don't have to have a problem you're mean you've got these dogs let the dogs go now we can't do that. We spent a lot of money raising these dogs and making sure that they were trained to do what they do. So, look, we're 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 just we're just trying to make a living. You can understand that. And what's a few dogs? Is there like from my uh cover that I'm hiding behind? Is there like a dog cage nearby that I could like reach out to uh attempt to open up? Uh, they all currently have padlocks. Okay. This may or may not work, but it's what I feel like Michael would do in this instance. I think he's going to try to, like, attack one of the locks of a nearby cage. His quote-unquote plan is to let the dogs out so that they can attack the guys that are, like, the bad guys. Okay, roll me 2d6 plus one, because this is going to be cool. That's an eight. You are able to break the pad- the padlock, and luckily for luckily for you, it's not like multiple padlocks that you're going to have to have to break. It's just one padlock that's keeping this entire like corral closed with separate pens for each dog. And you kind of kick you kick the gate open, and some of the dogs kind of look tentatively, like expecting expecting to to incur some kind of wrath if they if they try to leave. But some of them just tear out of the corral and begin and begin attacking the guy. Uh, one of them, however, turns on you because it's used to kind of suffering at the hands of people and you are a people. And so it charges toward you and bites down hard on your, ar- on your arm and you drop your chains and it begins to thrash you about. And that is when a golden retriever comes leaping through the air and tackles the dog that is attacking you and uh, and 
begin and kind of like pins it to the ground and uh the the dog that was attacking you is is kind of is just snapping in the air and the golden retriever is just standing on top of it very like triumphantly and then it looks at you and looks back at the dog that it's standing on and looks back at you and then looks at the men and then looks back at you michael like stops and stares at this dog for a minute uh we see he's got like tears starting to well up in his eyes he looks at the golden retriever and he's like Come on, let's get out of here. Uh, he, like, gestures for the dog to follow him, uh, runs towards the gate that he came in through. He's basically trying to, like, barrel his way through so that he can lead the dogs out. And he's just like, everybody follow me. Let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, roll me through these six. That's a five. That's a five. All right, so you're you're kind of trying to barrel through these guys, and all of a sudden... We see we see a, a panel of just a hand grabbing you by the collar and yank by the, the collar of your shirt. I mean, and yanking you back. And uh, this guy picks picks you up with one hand. It's just a big beefy guy uh, with tattoos all over his arms. He's wearing like a like a like a leather vest, and he's bald. He's just like your typical like thug guy that you would find in most comic books. And he picks you up and he says, "Where do you think you're going?" Michael's going to respond by headbutting him. Okay, <laughs> roll 2d6. The logic being the guy might expect to be punched or kicked, but he's not going to expect a headbutt. That's a four. So Michael, we, we see a panel of Michael reeling back and just throwing his face into the other guy's face. And then we have the realization on Michael's face that headbutting someone hurts you too. <laughs> <laughs> and and the guy just <laughs> the guy just starts laughing. <laughs> you little shit. You think you can get away with this? And he uh he starts to carry you towards a garage, only only to then be toppled over as again this golden retriever leaps and jumps on top of him and uh he he releases you as you kind of go tumbling to the ground rolling rolling head uh ass over tea kettle the golden retriever looks at you again as the guy like looks up now his face his face bloody from going face first into the concrete and he turns around to go and grab the the golden retriever since Michael doesn't, like, he dropped his chains. So I think he's going to, like, try to intercept the guy's hand and, like, stomp on it. Kind of, like, curb stomp his hand just to try to get the dog to be able to get away. Like, this dog has saved his ass twice now. He owes he owes him. All right, go ahead and roll 2d6. That's a 7. I'm going in the right direction now. Okay, so you so you run up and as as he's about to lift his hand up, you kind of you kind of smack his hand down and stomp on his hand. We get the onomatopoeia of crunch as you as you crunch down on his on his on the center of his hand and he screams, "Ah! Motherfucker!" Yeah, he's uh he's not he's not in a good place, but he uh he backhands you uh, with his with his good hand, and you fall down and onto the backpack with the bat with the battery in it, and you, we hear we 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 see a crack sound as the battery cracks and battery acid begins to pour out of the casing, and uh, because this is one of those old school batteries with acid in it and not like lithium ion or anything like that. 
And uh, yeah, the the backpack begins to sizzle as the acid begins to eat away at the backpack. What's the sort of general situation looking like? Like, are the dogs, the other ones, any of them escaped or? There's a there's a good portion of them that have that have run off. There are some of them that are still like that are still attacking their captors. Like one of them has has like one of them is just is just chomping down on one of the guys. Most of the guys are either on the ground in the fetal position trying to protect their soft bits or uh, completely unconscious or, or, you know, potentially dead because of the the brutal uh, conditions that they uh, kept these dogs under. Yeah, Michael is not going to think about that. He, I think, like, he just kind of stands up, uh, tries to hurriedly grab his backpack. He is very well aware that he's not going to be able to sort of fight this very large man. So I think he's trying to, like, gesture towards the dog that saved his life twice now and just, like, make a break for that gate that he came in through. All right, yeah, you, uh, you gesture toward the dog. The dog kind of barks excitedly and starts heading toward the gate with you. You make it out of the gate. It's about this time that police vehicles, you can see just on the horizon, I assuming somebody called in this, the gun, you know, sound of gunshots going off in this residential neighborhood. Uh, there are police vehicles showing up now. In that case, he's going to like pull the goggles off of his face. He's going to try to find, like, a bush or something to drop the backpack in. And he's just going to, like, gesture, like, wave his arms in the air and just, like, gesture towards the gate that he came through to, like, direct the police in that direction. Okay. Uh, so the, the police vehicles arrive. Uh, two officers get out of the first vehicle. And uh, the one, one of them approaches you. He's, you know, kind of your, kind of your standard police officer. Uh, he's a little, he's a little chubby. He's kind of balding and, uh, he's got a mustache and he says, um, what, what happened here? There's, there's bad guys in that, in that yard. They, uh, dog fighting. They had a bunch of dogs. The, the dogs are gone now. They, uh, I saved them. Wait, you, you saved them. He looks up with a big grin on his face and he says, yes, sir. Uh, name's Livewire. And he like salutes at the police officer and looks down at the dog that saved his life and he goes, this is Sparky. He's, uh, he's my sidekick. The officer, <laughs> the officer looks at you with a, with a stern face for a second and goes, <laughs> all right, kid. Yeah. Uh, Hey, Franklin, get a load of this. This kid says he saved all those dogs and took down a dog fighting ring. Hey, don't go anywhere. We're going to have a lot of questions for you, and uh, I'm sure your parents are worried sick, so just stay here. And he turns around to go and deal with the men in the yard. What do you do? Well, he's not going to disobey a police officer, but at the thought of his parents, Michael just goes, oh no, dad's going to be pissed. And I think at that point, we cut to uh, the scene of the police officers escorting you to the front door. Uh, there, these panels have no have no words in them. They're, there's no text. Uh, it's just the police officer uh, escorting you to the door. The door open. Uh, your mom looking very concerned. Your dad looking very disappointed. And then the door shuts.
Paradigm Academy is produced, edited, and GM'd by Thomas Fleming. He can be found on Twitter, at DorksideVO. Livewire is played by Andy Stade of the LGBT&D and Poplar Kids podcasts. He can be found on Twitter, at AndyLion92. We'd like to thank our first batch of patrons for their support. Shout out to Zachary McMillan, Lilth, Knight's End, and Jazz. Thank you guys so much for becoming our first patrons. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash papod and check out our reward tiers. We can be found on Twitter at ParadigmPod1. The theme music is Deliberate Thought by Kevin McLeod. Masks, A New Generation, is a role-playing game created by Brendan Conway and distributed by Magpie Games. I don't know how I want to phrase this. She's a little bit. You can say it. She's thick with two C's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird to just be like, oh, yeah, mom's thick. But yeah, My mom's thick. <laughs>